Wordplay, theater for the ear and the imagination, presents an audio play, The Lightning Rod Man, from the story by Herman Melville. Melville is best known to us as the author of such classics as Moby Dick and Billy Bud. But Melville also had a lighter side. In his short story, The Lightning Rod Man, he has fun contrasting the person who appreciates and embraces life, even with all of its hazards, with the person who fears it. In our play, Danny Kaplan plays the narrator, whom we assume is Melville himself. Michael Joseph takes the role of the lightning rod salesman. Father Matthew Powell directed and dramatized the story. Regular thunder, thought I, standing on my hearthstone among the hills, as the scattered bolts boomed overhead and crashed down among the valleys, every bolt followed by zigzag irradiations and swift slants of sharp rain, which audibly rang like the charge of spear points on my low-shingled roof. I suppose, though, that the mountains hereabouts break and churn up the thunder, so that it is far more glorious here than on the plain. Hark! Someone at the door. Who is this that chooses a time of thunder for making calls? I will let him in. Ah, here he comes. A stranger. What is that strange-looking walking stick he carries? Good day, sir. Please, come in. Pray, be seated. A wonderful thunderstorm, isn't it, sir? Wonderful? Awful! You are wet. Stand here on the hearth before the fire. Not for all the world! The stranger still stood in the exact middle of the house where he had first planted himself. His singularity impelled a closer scrutiny. A lean, gloomy figure... The whole man was dripping. He stood in a puddle on the bare oak floor, his strange walking stick vertically resting at his side. It was a polished copper rod, four feet long, lengthwise, attached to a neat wooden staff by insertion into two balls of greenish glass ringed with copper bands. Sir, said I, bowing politely, have I the honor of a visit from that illustrious god Jupiter? So stood he in the Greek statue of old, grasping the lightning bolt. If you be he or his viceroy, I have to thank you for this noble storm you have brewed among our mountains. Listen, glorious peal. Ah, to a lover of the majestic, it is a good thing to have the thunderer himself in one's house. The thunder grows finer for that. But pray, be seated. This old rush-bottomed armchair, I grant, is a poor substitute for your evergreen throne on Mount Olympus. But condescend to be seated. While I thus pleasantly spoke, 
the stranger eyed me, half in wonder and half in a strange sort of horror, but did not move a foot. Do, sir, be seated. You need to be dried before going forth again. Sir, excuse me, but instead of my accepting your invitation to be seated on the hearth there, I solemnly warn you that you had best accept mine and stand with me in the middle of the room. I warn you, sir, quit the hearth. Mr. Jupiter, I stand very well here. Are you so horridly ignorant, then, as not to know that by far the most dangerous part of a house during such a terrific tempest as this is the fireplace? No, I did not know that. Oh, for heaven's sakes, for heaven's sakes, get off the hearth! Know you not that the heated air and soot are conductors? To say nothing of those immense iron fireplace tools! Quit the spots, I conjure, I, I command you! Jupiter, I am not accustomed to being commanded in my own house. Call me not by that pagan name. You are profane in this time of terror. Sir, will you be so good as to tell me your business? If you seek shelter from the storm, you are welcome so long as you be civil. But if you come on business, open it forthwith. Who are you? I am a dealer in lightning rods, my special business. Have you ever been struck? Your premises, I mean. No? It's best to be provided for. There are no castles in thunderstorms. Yet, say but the word, and of this house I can make a Gibraltar by a few waves of this wand. Your special business you are about to speak of? My special business is to travel the country, taking orders for lightning rods. This is my sample rod. I have the best of references. In Criggan last month, I put up three and twenty rods on only five buildings. Let me see. Was it not at Criggan last week, about midnight on Saturday, that the steeple, the big elm, and the courthouse cupola were struck? Any of your rods there? Not on the tree and cupola, but on the steeple. Of what use is your rod, then? Of life and death use! But my workman was heedless. In fitting the rod at top of the steeple, he allowed a part of the metal to graze the tin sheeting. Hence the accident. Not my fault, but his. Hark! Never mind. That clap burst quite loud enough to be heard without finger pointing. Did you hear of the event at Montreal last year? A servant girl struck at her bedside with a rosary in her hand, the beads being metal. Does your beat extend to Canada? No, and I hear that there, iron rods only are in use. They should have mine, which are copper. Iron is easily fused. Then they draw out the rod so slender that it has not body enough to conduct the full electric current. The metal melts, the building is destroyed. My copper rods never act so. Those Canadians are fools. Mine is the only true rod. Look at it! Only a dollar a foot! This abuse of your own calling in another might make one distrustful with respect to yourself. Crash! Only three pulses, less than a third of a mile off. Yonder, somewhere in that wood. I passed three stricken oaks there, ripped out new and glittering. The oak draws lightning more than any other timber, having iron in the solution in its sap. Your floor here seems oak. Heart of oak. 
From the peculiar time of your call upon me, I suppose you purposely select stormy weather for your journeys. When the thunder is roaring, you deem it an hour peculiarly favorable for producing impressions favorable to your trade. Hark! Was that another lightning bolt? I heard nothing. For one who would arm others with fearlessness, you seem an unbeseemingly timorous yourself. Common men choose fair weather for their travels. You choose thunderstorms? That I travel in thunderstorms, I grant. But not without particular precautions, such as only a lightning rod man may know. Look at my sample rod. Only one dollar a foot. A very fine rod, I dare say. But what are these particular precautions of yours? Yet... First, let me close those shutters. The slanting rain is beating through the sash. I will bar them up. Are you mad? Know you not that the iron bar across the shutters is a swift conductor? Desist! I will simply close these shutters then and call my housekeeper to bring me a wooden bar. Pray, pull the bell rope there to call her. Are you mad, I ask? That bell wire might blast you! Never touch a bell wire in a thunderstorm, nor ring a bell of any sort. Nor those in belfries? Pray, will you tell me where and how one may be safe in such a time like this? Is there any part of my house I may touch with any hope of living? There is, but not where you now stand. Come away from the wall. The current will sometimes run down a wall, and, a man being a better conductor than a wall, it would leave the wall and run into him. Swoop! Very probably. Tell me at once, which is, in your opinion, the safest part of this house? This room, and this one spot in it where I stand. Come hither. The reasons first. Come hither to me! Thank you again. I think I will try my old stand, the hearth. And now, Mr. Lightning Rod Man, in the pauses of the thunder, be so good as to tell me your reasons for esteeming this one room of the house the safest, and your own one standing point there the safest spot in it. Yours is a one-story house with an attic and a cellar. This room is between, hence its comparative safety. Because lightning sometimes passes from the clouds to the earth, and sometimes from the earth to the clouds. Do you comprehend? And I choose the middle of the room, because if the lightning should strike the house at all, it would come down the chimney or walls. So, obviously, the further you are from there, the better. Come hither to me, now. Presently, something you said just interests me. What have I said? You said that sometimes lightning flashes from the earth to the cloud. Aye, the returning stroke, as it is called, when the earth, being overcharged with the fluid, flashes its surplus upward. The returning stroke, that is from earth to sky, better and better. But come here on the hearth and dry yourself. I am better here and better wet. How? It is the safest thing you can do to get yourself thoroughly drenched in a thunderstorm. Wet clothes are better conductors than the body. And so, if the lightning strike, it might pass down the wet clothes without touching the body. Have you a rug in your house? Rugs are non-conductors. Get one that I may stand on it here. And you, too. Oh, the sky's blackened. It is dusk at noon. Hark! The rug! The rug! I gave him one. And now, sir, since our being silent will not help us, 
Let me hear your precautions in traveling during thunderstorms. Wait till this one is passed. No, proceed with the precautions. You stand in the safest possible place according to your account. Go on. Briefly then, I avoid pine trees, high houses, lonely barns, upland pastures, running water, herds of cattle, flocks of sheep, and crowds of men. If I travel on foot, as today, I do not walk fast. If in my buggy, I touch not its back or sides. If on horseback, I dismount and lead the horse. But, of all things, I avoid tall men. Do I dream? Men avoid men. And in dangerous times, too. Tall men in a thunderstorm I avoid. <laughs> Are you so grossly ignorant as not to know that the height of a man over six feet tall is sufficient to discharge an electric cloud over him? Are not lonely tall Kentuckians plowing smote in the unfinished furrow? No. If the man over six feet stand by running water, the cloud will sometimes select him as its conductor to that running water. But, sir, you have kept me so long answering your questions that I have not yet come to business. Will you order one of my rods? Look at this sample one. See, it is of the best copper. Copper's the best conductor. Your house is low, but... Being upon the mountains, that lowness does not one whit depress it. You mountaineers are most exposed. In mountainous countries, the lightning rod man should have his most business. Look at the sample, sir. One rod will answer for a house like this. Look over these recommendations. Only one rod, sir. Cost? Only $20. An elevation of five feet above the house will protect 20 feet radius all about the rod. Only $20, sir. A, a dollar a foot. Will you order? Will you buy? Shall I put down your name? Think of being a heap of charred meat, like a haltered horse burnt to death in his stall, and all in one flash. You pretended envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary to and from Jupiter. You mere man who comes here to put you and your pipe stem between the clay and sky. Do you think that because you can strike a bit of green light from a jar that you can thoroughly avert the supernal bolt? Your rod rusts or breaks, and then where are you? Who has empowered you, you Tetzel, to peddle around your indulgences from divine ordinations? The hairs of our heads are numbered, and the days of our lives. In thunder, as in sunshine, I stand at ease in the hands of my God. Away! See the scroll of the storm is rolled back. The house is unharmed, and in the blue heavens I read in the rainbow that the deity will not, of purpose, make war on man's earth. Impious wretch! I will publish your infidel notions abroad. Be gone! Move quickly, if quickly you can, you that shine forth into sight in wet times like the worm. The scowl grew blacker on his face. 
He sprang upon me, his triforked thing at my heart. I seized it. I snapped it. I dashed it. I trod on it. And dragging the lightning rod man out of my door, flung his copper scepter after him. But in spite of my treatment of him, and in spite of my dissuasive talk of him to my neighbors, the lightning rod man still dwells in the land, still travels in stormy times, and still does a brisk business with the fears of man. (laughs) 